Welcome to Color Me Green, a podcast focused on making the world a greener place. Okay, so back when I first thought about making this podcast, I had made a very long list that I mention all the time of episode topics. Today's episode is another one that I get to cross off that list. I have heard so many back and forths about today's topic, and I thought, I should probably do an episode on it and learn about the actual pros and cons and do the research myself. So with that being said, today we are discussing how green electric vehicles really are, from the batteries to their miles, and how the electricity is generated. We are covering all the top points, and I'm going to go over a few myths that have been associated with going green on the road. It is no surprise that with all the climate action going around and being green becoming a trend, that electric vehicles are becoming more and more popular. It's not just Tesla that makes green vehicles, but other popular brands you know as well, such as BMW, Buick, Cadillac, Chevrolet, Ford, GMC, Honda, Kia, Lexus, Mercedes, Nissan, Volvo, and so many others. Just about any company you want to buy from, odds are they have electric vehicles. But while these cars are becoming more mainstream, we have to ask, are they really as environmentally friendly as they are advertised? So two of the biggest concerns when it comes to how green electric vehicles are comes down to battery and energy production. So let's start with the car's creation and discuss their batteries. One of, if not the, biggest argument against electric vehicles is the pollution behind the manufacturing process of their batteries. Like most batteries, lithium-ion cells that power electric vehicles rely on raw materials like cobalt, lithium, and other rare elements that are known to be a concern when it comes to the environment. Mining elements like cobalt, for example, produces hazardous debris that can get into the environment. Even smelting, the process of removing metals from their ores, can emit sulfur oxide and other harmful pollutants into the air. About 70% of the world's cobalt is mined in the Democratic Republic of Congo in artisanal mines by workers that include even children. Mining for these metals creates great health and safety concerns. Lithium, on the other hand, is also not such a great option. Most of the world's lithium is mined in Australia or from salt flats in parts of Argentina, Bolivia, and Chile. These mining operations use large amounts of groundwater, which takes away from the available water meant for farmers and herders. The water required to produce batteries for electric vehicles is about 50% more water than is needed for traditional engine cars. Some estimates I found said that it takes an average of 39 gallons of water to produce one gas-powered vehicle. Okay, so I was never good at math. It's a long story, but I had to do some very hard math in my mind to figure this out. So let me explain my work because it took me forever for me to put it together. There is approximately 8 kilograms of lithium in an EV electric vehicle lithium ion battery pack. 8 kilograms is about 0.008 tons. It takes about 2 million liters, which is 528,344 gallons of water to make one ton of lithium. So if my math is correct, please don't double check it for me because I don't need to know that I messed up. (laughs) 
If my math is correct, then it takes about 66,000 gallons of water to make a lithium car battery. I gotta say, the amount of water it takes to make things is literally insane. Back when I did the episode on sustainable fashion, I mentioned that it took 1,800 gallons of water to make a pair of jeans. How in the world we still have water is honestly beyond me. Now let's take a moment to look into a traditional gas vehicle for a moment. Around 80 to 90% of the car's environmental impact will be due to fuel consumption and emissions of greenhouse gases. Shipping fuel, as we are all probably aware, can consume a lot of energy and create occasional oil spill disasters. Another big concern is, for example, people who live in California like I do are all too familiar with smog. Traditional vehicles are America's biggest air quality compromisers. The smog, carbon dioxide, and other toxins that are all emitted at street level. Where we all literally breathe. That is disgusting to think about. (laughs) That like, we're just breathing in the fumes from our cars. It's just, I never thought about that. Okay, now back to EVs. And I'm going to say EV. It's short for electric vehicle. I just don't want to have to say electric vehicle all the time. Another big argument we hear about EVs are that they are worse for the climate compared to gas vehicles because of power plant emissions. Now, if you are a frequent listener, you know I like to discuss these topics so we can hear both sides. For anyone who doesn't know, I'm a Libra. I was born on October 17th. Fairness and equality are just in my nature. They, they just are. I'm not trying to convince you through this episode that you need to go out and buy an electric vehicle because you're awful if you don't. I don't even have one. Do I want one? Yes, but I'm not financially there yet. I'm also not trying to say that EVs are entirely emissions-free because, as we're going to discuss, after I stop ranting, electric grids need to get much cleaner before EVs are emission-free. Okay, now I'm done ranting. Through my research, I found a website that is an interactive online tool created by researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. It compares the climate impacts of different vehicle models. They try to incorporate factors such as emissions involved in manufacturing the cars, producing gasoline and diesel fuel, how much gas the conventional car burns, and where EVs get their electricity to charge. I'll have this website linked in the show notes for anyone who is interested in checking it out. Just a quick example for you, the car they have listed with the highest emissions are the Toyota Sequoia and the Toyota Tundra that are both at about 800 grams of CO2 per mile per its life cycle. The lowest is the 2020 electric Hyundai Ioniq and the 2020 standard range Tesla Model 3 that are both well under 200 grams of CO2 per mile per life cycle. Studies have shown that making an EV can create more carbon pollution than making a conventional car, and that is due to the additional energy required to manufacture the battery. But again, over the lifetime of the vehicle, the total greenhouse gas emissions emitted from manufacturing, charging, and driving an EV are typically lower than those associated with a gas-powered vehicle. It's important to remember that EVs have zero tailpipe emissions and therefore typically have lower operating emissions. 
Now I realize I trailed off from talking about the power plants and how to charge EVs, so let's get back there, shall we? Like I mentioned, EVs have no tailpipe emissions, but producing and charging them can produce emissions. However, they are still significantly less than most fuel-powered cars. Most EVs are charged through power drawn from the average grid in the United States, for example. This grid typically includes a mix of fossil fuel and renewable power plants. Local power generated using fossil fuels obviously emits carbon, while renewable options such as wind, solar, hydro, and so on do not. Now, if more renewable electricity was used, it would help create even fewer emissions for EVs when taking electricity into consideration. I found another awesome tool online. It's a calculator called Beyond Tailpipe Emissions Calculator created by the United States Environmental Protection Agency. It can help you estimate the greenhouse gas emissions associated with charging and driving an EV or a plug-in hybrid EV where you live. For example, I did my city of Palm Springs, California with a 2020 Tesla Model 3 long range because that's what I would get if I got an EV. I've been researching it. Unfortunately, it's expensive. <laughs> the calculator says that the Tesla's total emissions in Palm Springs would be 70 grams per mile. On the average U.S. electricity grid, it would be a total of 120 grams per mile. And an average new gas vehicle total emissions are 410 grams per mile. They say the total emissions include both tailpipe and upstream emissions. They also state that the car's emissions in your zip code may be different than the U.S. average because different fuel sources are used to produce energy in different parts of the country. So that's actually very interesting to know. Before I get into the end of life for EVs, I want to go over a few myths that surround EVs in general. The first being that EVs don't get enough range to handle daily travel. I don't know who in the world is driving more than 200 miles a day or even in just a few days. A typical household drives about an average of 50 miles a day. Most EVs go about 200 miles on a full charge, not to mention that there's also long-range EVs that can go even further. Another myth is that there is nowhere to charge. Obviously, this must be a very old myth because you clearly see charging stations everywhere. EV chargers are available to purchase and can be plugged into any standard household outlet. And if you're looking to charge on the go, there's over 45,000 charging stations around the U.S. Most of these stations are level 2 chargers that provide 10 to 20 miles of range per hour. And there are even higher level stations that provide around 60 miles or more of range in just 20 minutes. The end of life for EVs is another big argument. Most of them use lithium-ion batteries, which can store more energy than older versions. It is a known fact that more acid batteries are recycled than lithium-ion, but with time and innovation, that could change. General Motors has even designed their battery packs with second life use in mind. Reusing lithium-ion batteries requires testing and upgrades to make sure they perform reliably, but if done properly, used car batteries could be used for more than a decade as backup storage for solar power. So just because it's not great at the moment doesn't mean it can't be. The overall outcome is still better, even if it takes a few years to get there. It's still better than driving a gas or diesel car every day. I like to say about almost everything that I go over that the good outweighs the bad, and that's what you have to think of because I don't want to be one of those people that's like, 
only thinking about the negative and not thinking about the good that can be coming out of it. So I think it's definitely a topic that a lot of people are going to stick their guns to. You either like them or you don't. You either think they're good or you don't. I personally am a supporter of electric vehicles. Let me know what side you're on. I want to thank you for listening to today's episode of Color Me Green. New episodes are going to come out weekly and hopefully each one has something you can take away and learn from. I currently have a ton of episodes planned, but if you want to request a certain topic to discuss, please feel free to message me on the show's Instagram at Color Me Green Podcast, linked in the show notes. If you loved today's episode, please make sure to leave a review as I will be randomly picking reviews every week as they roll in to read on the show. One of the best ways to help change the world is to share this episode with a friend and let them also learn what they can do to live more sustainably. And as always, remember to reduce, reuse, recycle, and live green. See you next week.